0: You're listening to the New Century Multiverse The Princess Thieves Chapter 17 On the Uses of Hatred
1: With the events of the day playing out as they had, Gwendolyn awoke with Robin in her arms, and that sense of rightness hit her heavily. His blue eyes opened and he smiled, He still had not said I love you in return. Robin, darling, it's all so clear
2: to me now.
0: Hmm. What's clear?
2: This compulsion I've had to live free with you. I need to follow it. I can't be queen. I don't want to, and I'd be rubbish at it.
1: And I certainly don't want to marry Lord Aaron. Robin felt a thrill run up and down his spine. This was something he'd not dared to dream might become a reality. He hadn't allowed himself this indulgence. He was speaking in his theatrical voice again. But she gladly granted him this comfort.
0: Do you want to be with me?
1: Yes, more than anything.
0: Where would we go? We can't stay in London.
2: Anywhere. We can explore. (laughs) We have two worlds to chart. We could go to the Americas, or we could go back to Salador, see what's over there on the continents the Duarte are too afraid
1: to trade. Robin smiled broadly and held her close. They made love once again for luck, and afterwards they lay and stroked one another, as both of their faces slowly went from those smiles to the blankness realisation. We can't. I know.
0: I'm sorry. I know. Can you list the major reasons why not? It might make us feel better.
1: Well, let's see. She propped up Robin's hand and counted on his fingers playfully, and sadly, still smiling to prevent herself from crying in front of him. One, it's very dangerous.
2: But I
0: laugh in the face of danger.
2: Two, we'd have to bring Oberon and Viola. Well, you
0: know, the more the merrier.
2: Oh, very good. Three, we'd be hunted for the rest of our lives.
0: And that's a huge difference for me, Hal?
2: Point. But it would be a huge difference for me. Four, I'm honestly missing the comforts of the palace right now. Oh. But
1: not as much as I would miss you.
0: Yes, you're going to miss the hell out of me. I'm still waiting for a good reason, though.
1: She caressed his thumb. Five.
2: My father, Coriolanus. All of his plans for the coming years revolve around my being there as queen. Without me... Do you know, I don't even know what his plans would be, so that's... That's
0: the one, isn't it? Uh... Maybe you could just Ask him for a reprieve
2: No, that wouldn't happen I know him His mind is set on this
0: No, yeah, you wouldn't want to disappoint your future husband
2: I think
1: I think I'll be doing that Whatever my choice Now the tears were starting to come She bit them back
2: Remember what Malayne said about more than one different timeline? Yes. Well, we're at a fog in the road here. In some worlds, I'm going to choose to defy my father and stay with you. I will choose to run. But... But not in this one.
0: Hmm. Of course.
2: I don't know how the other versions of me are thinking when they make their opposing decisions, but in this world, I'm going to choose to stay. I'm going to marry Lord Aaron. I'm going to be Queen. Yes. My father is cruel. He puts the happiness of the people well below the state of order and control. He believes their well-being is based on the continued survival and the strength of the system that holds them together. Aaron is no different. If I'm Queen, I can help steer the ship. Coriolanus has pledged a seed to me as empress when I'm married to Aaron. That's influence I could never have anywhere else. It's a gift. I have to use it responsibly. If I can be wise and just and strong, I can use that influence to save lives and make things better. Unite as many as we can, and get these worlds back on their feet.
0: Honestly? I think you'll be a wonderful Empress. I wouldn't want anyone else in charge, and... Maybe you can pardon me.
2: Maybe. If you can be good.
0: Meanwhile, the people who nearly tore you to pieces last night get a kinder person in charge of them. I'm sure their lives will all be improved.
2: Well, why do you do it? Why do you give back to them? Why do you sacrifice your life for people who don't know and don't care?
0: Because... Because... I don't know how to do anything else.
2: Well, there you have it. That's as good a reason as any I could come up with.
3: Robin and Gwendolyn crept quietly down the stairs, hoping not to wake anyone and steal some breakfast. As they opened the door into the kitchen, they saw the rest of the thieves gathered round the table, staring back at them with various expressions. Did you have a good sleep? Robin made his way forward and sat down with the others. Viola, Scarlet and Oberon scowled at him. Mortimer appeared aloof and disinterested, leafing through the times. Ajax smiled in faint recognition and touched elbows with him. Gwendolen did not sit. She was blushing, but as she stood in front of the expectant thieves, it became clear they were waiting for her next decision.
2: Right then. I suppose today is the day Vyra and I return to the palace. I assume Mortimer here is just going to walk us through the front gate. That was certainly my plan. I'll negotiate a settlement, have the gold brought to the bank for me, and then later on I can slip you people your half. Anyone else? Sorry. Anything else you'd like to do before then, or shall we head out now? Scarlet, Robin and Oberon mentioned your factories. Would you mind if I told one of them to ascertain how they run? I should like to see how the money for my return would be spent. In disguise, of course, and I promise you solemnly that this time I shall keep a low profile.
4: I can take you through woolen cloth, but you muck about and I'll hand you straight over to her.
2: My days of mucking about are over.
4: Alright, let's just finish breakfast and. There was a banging
3: on the front door, and everybody froze.
5: Open up! It's the watchman! Scarlet
3: wordlessly indicated the basement, and Robin, Gwendolyn, Viola, Mortimer, Ajax, and Oberon swiftly and quietly filed down the stairs, closing the shutter behind them. Scarlet covered it with a hessian mat. She crossed to the front door, and Captain Baltus marched in with a contingent of eight watchmen. (laughs) The hood-tending bar continued to clean glasses nonchalantly, but those sat
4: having breakfast froze with their food in their mouths. What can I do for you, Captain? Bacon and eggs all round, is it?
5: Is she upstairs, downstairs, or out the back? If you tell me the truth now, you'll escape the hangman's noose.
3: There was a long silence. Scarlet gazed down at the dwat
5: grimly. You know of whom I speak.
4: I can only assume you mean our missing princess, since that's all anyone will talk about this week.
5: Correct. What is your name?
4: Gillian Oberman. Same as it says on the lease for this place. You can check all my records.
5: Not many arca run businesses in London.
4: I'd like to think I'm one of a new breed of intrepid entrepreneurs. We had businesses back on Anoth, you know. How else could we have gotten by as a civilization?
5: If you like to call that civilization, then of course you did.
4: What I don't know is why you might believe she's hiding in my pub. How can I get your men a
5: drink? Let's save that little nugget about what I know for a little while, after I've said my piece. Will you please sit down, Miss Oberman?
3: Scarlet slowly, deliberately, retrieved a plate of food sat before Baltus and began to eat with measured movements, keeping her eyes on him at all times.
5: You know, when we first arrived in London, the Dwad, I mean, we were apprehensive as to the reactions of the humans. Certainly we dealt with their bar guests, but we were presenting them with an iron hand of governance. I wondered why they welcomed it so readily. I mean... Do they want to be so ultimately powerless in the course of their lives? That was until I realized the masterstroke of the Dukes. Do you know what it was? Tell me. It was bringing you with us. It will come as no surprise to learn that you, Arca, disgust the Dwart. We in the Gentry thought it was only us to begin with, but the greater population of Dwart citizens confirmed our feelings with a matching sentiment. In the years since you first plagued our realm, everywhere you have gone, the people who live in those lands developed this disgust as a natural reaction. And that means, of course, that the humans shared it. Your species inevitably dropped to the bottom of the ladder and they accepted our supremacy because we had given them someone new to hate. I assure you, there is nothing more that a working man needs in this life than a few coppers from those higher than he a roof over his head and someone who lives on his street that he can hate. Because you see, without that detestable someone, the man has nowhere to direct his hatred than upwards. He must live to protect his family and he needs an enemy to protect it from. We killed the bar guest and you filled the black vacuum left behind.
3: In the cellar, directly below this discussion, Robin was staring up through a crack in the floor a sliver of light crossing his face. Gwendolen held him tightly. Viola was shuddering with rage. Oberon had his hand over Ajax's mouth, and this time even Mortimer's forced smile was beginning to show cracks. Why had she come down here with these thieves instead of hightailing it out the back and over the rooftops? They huddled in the dark and subdued every sound that they could. Captain Baltus
5: continued. So I want to thank you here, today, warmly, sincerely. Thank you for giving us England.
4: You're welcome.
5: You know what? We are welcome, aren't we? And what makes me even more amused is that I am sitting here, symbolic of the highest a person can climb in our society, a decorated military Dwart man, champion of the people of Skygrail, born into the lands of Telamaran. I stand above nearly all Dwart men, who stand above all Dwart women, who stand above all human men, who stand above all human women, who stand above all Akka males, and at the very bottom of the ladder, barely able to separate themselves from the endless oceans of sludge beneath are the Aka females. You. I'm curious as to how your people even get through the day. Do you hate rats or cockroaches with the same volition as we hate you? We know what the bottom feels like, and that every
4: rung up that ladder feels better than the last. That's what keeps
5: us going. But of course, with so many others locked into place above you, you must surely realize that there aren't many rungs you can climb before you're stopped in your tracks.
3: Oberon felt a hand on his forearm. He glanced down and found to his surprise that it was Viola. She did not look at him. Her head was lowered with shame and rage, but he felt the fingers squeeze.
5: Now, let us to return to what you said I may know, for you see, you have no way of knowing how much I do know. It is for you to suspect the very worst, but pray to whatever totem pole you worship for the very best, that I know nothing about you or your business or what you do when you're not tending bar here.
3: Baltus smiled mirthlessly and splayed his thick fingertips upon the surface of the table.
5: Now what I offered before still stands. Tell me where she is, you will escape the noose. But, may I add a few cherries to the best cake you are ever going to be presented with?
3: Scarlet nodded.
5: I have a particular fascination with the mental processes associated with torture. I don't so much enjoy the infliction of pain, although I am able to do that without it bothering me, what interests me is how desperate people become when they have that one piece of information I want, but wrestle with their abilities to conceal it throughout their ordeal. Almost always they confer it to me in the end, but it fascinates me what they will endure under the mistaken apprehension that somehow my nerve is not as strong as theirs, and that I will stop. I never do.
3: Baltus picked up a fork from the table and turned it in his hands carefully. It began to smoke ever so slightly, and Scarlet could smell the heating metal.
5: But the worst suffering is for those individuals who do not have that piece of information that I want. Those who do not know why they're on my table. Perhaps those who know many things but don't know which to say. Their suffering is far worse because they have nothing to focus on holding back.
3: The fork was now glowing orange, and Baltus ever so gently burned four thin black lines across the tabletop.
5: My point is that right now, for all you know, I may believe truly that you are in that first camp. That you know something and that you are holding out against me because you think that I will stop. You could well be willing to suffer for what you know. He
3: pressed down hard and left the burning brand standing upright.
5: However, if you really do have nothing to hide, then it is even worse for you because you are in the second camp. You do not know what to say to make me stop.
3: Baltus turned to his men and nodded. The eight armored firecasters proceeded behind the bar, into the kitchen, and up the stairs. Gwen's eyes widened as she cast her mind up to the bedroom. Had she forgotten anything of hers up there?
5: You cannot affect what I know. You cannot tell me any lie that will eclipse what I know. You can do nothing to remove me or these dwart men who stand so far above you from your home.
3: The hessian mat was turned over, and the cellar shutter was pulled back, letting a flood of light into the underground
5: sanctum. All you can do is tell me everything, right now. That is the only way you can be sure of your fate. So what say we do away with all this uncertainty? Uncertainty that you now know will only lead to your suffering.
3: Four watchmen proceeded down the stairs and began turning over tables Baltus glared at scarlet over the smoking fork as a growing dark burned patch began to pull out from it in the cellar the watchman approached the false wall the thieves were hidden behind Oberon spotted Mortimer very slowly and quietly cocking two different pistols Robin's face was straining. His hands were starting to smoke. If they caught a flame, or the watch caught the traces of that in the air, Violet blinked, thinking as fast as she could. Since the watchmen were searching for hidden people, she could not cast a spell strong enough to mask their presence and make them see farming equipment, as she had done with Gwen and Robin in the trunk. That was a tough enough spell to manage, with only two people on a single, slow-witted border-inspector looking for fruits and vegetables. There was no point disguising them as six random, boring people hiding behind a false wall. They would still be arrested for doing just that. Darkness would do no good. They would suspect something was up or bring more lights. She didn't have the strength to cast sleep on eight guards at once, effectively. Maybe if nobody else was around her and she could see them all confuse. Berserk. Silence. None of these could get them out of this cleanly. A watchman approached the wall and prodded it with a gloved finger. Gwendolyn squeezed Viola's arm hard. Viola's mind went back to that spoiled little girl on the day they had met. Suddenly, she had it. Viola cast a strong, silence spell across the whole group there was a shift in the air. All four of the guards in the cellar straightened up and sniffed. Each of them could taste bacon strongly, the side effect of the magic that the little Duart had just recalled. Viola's vision blurred as her spell took its toll, but the man in front of the false wall
4: licked his chops. Nothing here, Captain. How about that breakfast?
0: Yeah, I could do with a sandwich.
3: The men exited through the cellar door, and good to her word, within a few minutes, Scarlet had fried them twenty-seven rashes of bacon and a crucible of scrambled eggs. The entire time Balta sat behind her, watching like a hawk.
0: been listening to The Princess Thieves, written, edited, and produced by Alex Shaw, with a full cast. The performers for this episode were Captain Baltus, performed by Spencer Lieb, Princess Gwendolyn, performed by Theo Lee, Viola, performed by Loretta Saylor, Old Meg, performed by Maureen Foley, Mortimer and Scarlet, performed by Sharon Shaw, Robin, performed by Alex Shaw, Watchmen, performed by James Carter and Alex Shaw. The Princess Thieves theme was Arrival by I. Sazanov of Shockwave Sound. Touching Moment, One of Them, and Anne Gevin, composed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Many soundscapes provided by Tabletop Audio and ASMR Rooms. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon, and our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron LeCluze, Abel Savard, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punsy, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Matthew A Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, Tima Hellas Harjo, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. And the big push for 2017 will be getting the new century multiverse to new people. Now, the easiest way for you guys, my white scarves, to do this is think of the friend you have who would like The Princess Thieves or Tiger's Eye or Secret Rooms or Arlington or The Cartographer's Handbook. Lend them yours or insist that they download the first few episodes of The Princess Thieves and then get them talking to you about it. I want to hear discussions on these unfolding stories, shipping of your favourite characters, and wild speculation on where it's going. And I love to hear what you guys think all the time about The Princess Thieves, about New Century. But it is so much more important that you guys talk to each other about it. Steamheart is coming out this year, and that is going to be a huge event for the NCM. So find that friend, get sharing, and get talking. See you next week. And a Happy New Year to every single one of you.